Hello everybody and welcome to Forward Unto Quan. Today we are talking about Halo's fourth episode of season two called Reach. And to talk about that very critical episode, I am here with our usual panel. I've got Cicero Holmes. Hello, Cicero. Hello, Ty. Those people weren't family. They were family and friends. They weren't members of the military. They were civilians. <laughs> they were civilians. We didn't trade they, for this. And they didn't trade. Uh, we've also, uh, today, as always, got uh, Megan. Hello, Megan. Hello, Ty. <laughs> it's great to have you both here to discuss this episode. And Soren. Oh, it's Soren. No, we don't have Soren. I wish we had Soren. That would be great. But we will be talking about Soren today. I think we're all excited for that. Before we talk a little bit more about what makes this episode such an important part of the Halo lore, uh, I want to remind everybody that they can support Forward Untaquan on coffee.com, ko-fi.com, whatever you want to call it, .com, ko-fi.com. You can search Forward Untaquan and find us there. Our suggested donation is only $2. We're only trying to cover uh, the costs for our show, for uh, recording and server space and stuff like that. So we really do appreciate any support uh, that our listeners provide. And thanks to those who have already supported us. We really do appreciate it. And it helps us keep keep coming to you with this high-quality, hard-hitting program that we have for you every week. Um, I want to talk a little bit more. Uh, I knew this episode, we all knew this episode was coming, right? Uh, it, it's pretty clear that the Covenant were on Reach, and we all knew that the name of the episode was going to be Reach. So I think we all realized, like, the fall of Reach is here. And I want to talk a little bit about what makes this uh, such a significant part of the Halo lore and universe. I think this really, it's fair to say, forms kind of the backbone of the Halo story. Um, and I think this will be a great refresher for all of us and uh, just like, really good context for some of our listeners who might not be like as familiar with some of the halo universe. Um, and so the fall of the planet reach and its invasion by the covenant is actually the very first thing uh, ever depicted in the halo universe. This story was a part of Eric Nyland's book, the, the fall of reach, which was kind of like a prequel tie in novel that came out in advance of halo, the very first game for Xbox in 2001. So we're at a kind of a fun point in time right now where the fall of reach is the very first and also the very uh, last or most recent thing uh, ever to be kind of presented to us in the halo universe. Um, and I think that's kind of a cool and interesting place to be um, and kind of take a look and, and step back uh, and see uh, kind of, again, why this is so significant and why this matters, not just that it's been depicted so many times, but why it is significant. And so, uh, like I mentioned, this this event was depicted in Eric Nyland's book, The Fall of Reach, but also the game Halo Reach, which occupies a really interesting place. This was Bungie. Uh, Bungie's last Halo game before handing the Halo franchise off to 343 Studios. Um, and I think really uh, what I want to focus on here is like the key to the Battle of Reach, and I think I didn't really fully remember or appreciate this until playing the game again, is that in all existing canon, uh, the way that Chief arrives at the Halo rings is by fleeing the Battle of Reach. So like in the first game, when you wake up aboard the Pillar of Autumn and Captain Keys uh, wakes you up to like uh, repel the Covenant um, and you're, you kind of do this crash landing on the Halo ring, 
uh, you got there, that opening cutscene happens as you're fleeing uh, the Battle of Reach. Oh, and importantly, Cortana has also figured out the location of Halo at this point. So in the games, when the game very first starts, Cortana has somehow gleaned the location of Halo. They present that as happening in two different ways in the book and in the game Halo Reach. But I felt like going into this episode of Halo the series, based on all that, they had a chance, if they wanted to, to really like repeg the series to the games here, right? Like you could picture this episode of Halo the series, like episode four or maybe episode five or whatever, ending where the games start, right? Like with the chief and keys on the pillar of autumn, they have decoded what they need to decode from the artifacts, or maybe they have the artifacts in their possession or something. And they're on their way to Halo or have actually found Halo. Um, and I actually thought there was a pretty good chance of that happening. What we see from the show is that this is not the direction that the show has chosen to go at all. They chose to go a completely different route. Uh, one of those characters that's so pivotal to the events of the first game, Captain Keys, did not survive this episode. Um, from my quick skim of online reactions, uh, this has not been a popular choice. Um, and so we will be talking a little bit about all of that. Um, but I just wanted to keep that important context in mind. And I do think there is still uh, a world where like this uh, season of Halo the show does end up at Halo and kind of ends up in a similar place. But obviously they're not going to try and uh, sync up to the games in any way. They're obviously trying to tell their own story. Uh, and not just tell their own story, but I think like make it very clear where they're diverging from the existing games and lore in pretty pointed ways uh, that feel pretty direct towards some of the fan base, uh, almost like they're kind of putting their flag in the sand. Um, so I wanted to just throw it to either of you, Megan or Cicero, did you have any thoughts or where are you coming from uh, with, uh, you know, kind of like your feelings or expectations about the Battle of Reach going into this episode before we do uh, start to get into our blow by blow of this episode? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I was just coming at it from the only the TV perspective because uh, it's it's obviously distanced itself so much that I hadn't really thought about how it made coordinate because I thought there's it actually didn't even occur to me that it might attempt to coordinate. Uh, I was really just excited because it was the first episode where I could say, ooh, next episode is the Fall of Reach. It's a it's a piece of lore. It's the first time I could anticipate what was going to happen in the next episode. And that just excited me um, in, in a way that none of the other episodes have. Uh, and I thought it delivered in the way um, in be better than I had expected. Uh, and the places where it did diverge, especially like Keys' death, I think, you know, we, we talked about that in the previous episode, that that was probably going to happen. They had hinted strongly um, at that sacrifice. Uh, so I don't know. I understand fans being upset, but at the same time, if fans are still um, hoping that this series is going to align with the game, I, I don't know what to tell them because it very clearly isn't. Um, but saying that, yeah, I was just really excited to see um, the lore that we know and love, uh, whatever way they felt like doing it. Yeah, totally. I Like watching the first three episodes of this season of Halo, I did not expect that kind of alignment. But actually, as I went into this deep dive of like reading the book and playing the game, I was I was really just like surprised how 
many connections they had made in the show in their own little way. Mm. Um, and I saw that opportunity kind of through that. So, but I think you, you, you read it right, Megan. Cicero, what were your expert- expectations going into this episode, if any? Um, well, I mean, this is too much to Megan's point. This is like the previous episodes was like, oh, okay, um, we're on the cusp of the Boston Massacre. Right. And, you know, we're watching a show about the creation of the United States of America. And so far we haven't had any, you know, we haven't had the the Boston Massacre. We haven't had the thing that galvanized everyone into really, really starting the revolution. And so um, the fall of reaches is, is is Halo's Boston Massacre is the thing that kind of um, really gets things gets the ball rolling um much to uh, or, or or a lot like what what Megan was saying i didn't have any expectations of the of the game and the show converging um i think that they they did a pretty good job of of distinguishing themselves um in in the first season and and during the course of this season you know and we're only four episodes in right so and maybe we're basically halfway through the season i don't know how many episodes we're expected to go last season was nine maybe we'll go 10 this season i'm not sure um but uh having said all that i i think that um this season has done a better job of bringing things a little bit closer or, or giving people that were halo fans, myself included um, something that was a little bit more familiar to, to all of the, the canon or the lore that we've seen so far and, and while also continuing to do their own thing that I guess makes it a little bit more palatable, but at no point did I ever believe that this show, right, that this show is going to be the first four stages of Combat Evolved. And, and you know, and we're just going to watch a live action version of that. And I think that if there are people that are still watching the show hoping for that to happen, um, you got to you got to kind of have to change your thought process because the, the likelihood of that happening is is very low in fact i would probably venture to say you know spend 40 bucks on mega millions um and you have a better chance of winning of winning that than you will of yeah. seeing combat evolved cortana has been running the simulations and it's a 97 percent probability that that is not going to happen yeah. i will say alex uh robomantis our uh, yeah. contributor to the show uh pointed out to me something that i thought uh was a good observation which is that in the combat here they do a lot they're doing a lot more like interior combat like through hallways and things like that and i think in the past in the show we've pretty much only seen exterior and i was even thinking back in other live action halo stuff that i've seen um and i don't you know have a photographic memory or anything but like i i think this kind of like fighting through corridors and in spaces especially with civilians and like knocking over tables and stuff like that was a new kind of combat for halo and for what it's worth for me uh, I was critical of the shaky cam stuff in the first episode, but like, I loved it. I thought it worked. Yeah, uh, really, I, I, really I thought well, it, I so. thought it worked. I thought it worked well as well. So let me segue us back into that point, um, and let's get into our deep dive of Halo uh, season two, episode four, Reach.
All right. So uh, this episode starts off with uh, Vanek, who uh, we have learned since taking out his uh, hormonal pellet has developed an affinity for nature. He's got some pigeon friends that he's named Benny and Lenny and Jenny and Keith, um, which like, I don't know. Did this did this work for you guys? I thought it was both like most things Vanek. It was like a little overplayed, but also still funny. I think it's leaning into what it is, if that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> right. I I found it humorous. I didn't think it was taking itself seriously, so that was funny. Yeah, especially uh, the Keith part. <laughs> and and like I thought it, it like it was a it was a cool moment of like he's like what's wrong with you guys you know and the the birds felt it first and and like that kind of non reaction from Vanek as he's watching Reach explode and he's just like kind of like all right now I know what to do right like. Not, I'm kind of actually more comfortable with this than feeding the birds. Um, I thought was actually a, a cool way to introduce the episode. And so the first kind of act of the episode sees John and Corporal Perez trying to make their way back to fleet Com. Um, there's some really big shots with tons of extras running around. There's some really long sustained shots. I don't know if they're like really done that way or if it's like edited to look like they're one long continuous shot, but I just thought really some cool, choices with how this was depicted and the way that they showed like the scale of these two people running around in the midst of like a planet that's under attack. Um, and as Cicero alluded to, you get this scene where Perez is like, no, I have to go see my family. And chief's kind of just like, okay, like, you know, I don't have time to sit here and argue with you. Like I got to get back to fleet And so they part ways and then there's this huge explosion and he kind of goes back to pick her up out of the rubble uh, and has to convince her that her, her family is gone. Um, and I wanted to just like ask how this scene worked for you both. But also for me, one thing that I noticed here is when John is actually like holding her back and being like, no, your family is gone. I thought that was actually one of the clearest times when I felt like the physical presence of john and like it seems pretty effortless for him to to hold this person back who's obviously like trying pretty hard to get back to her family um so that was just a little aside from me but i wanted to ask you like cicero how did this scene with perez's family and everything work for you uh i well i really enjoyed it i, I mean i i kind of love um so there was a movie oh man it was probably like 10 years old now so it's an old movie but children of men and there is a beginning in the beginning of that film or or towards the middle of that film, there's a portion where like what, what seems to be our two protagonists are kind of making their way through the the like the quagmire of whatever's going on. And we're just kind of living vicariously through uh through the danger from from their from their perspective. And I, I saw a lot of that in this, right, where we've got these two people and it looked like they were going to separate, but clearly they were not. Um, and we were able to kind of see what this what the fall of the capital city of Reach, right? Like, yeah, which is called Reach City in this show. So, right, right. By so, the way, Cicero, the movie you yeah, mentioned so is it's, uh, it's from that's a 20 year old movie. It's from 2006. So you're suffering from. Holy yeah. crap. Oh my gosh. Ugh, ugh, ugh. Yeah, I think Ty and I both just like quickly looked it up. <laughs> right. yeah, that movie's gotta be a little older. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. But yeah, but uh so yeah, so uh, yeah, quick aside. Um 
sci-fi creators, when you're creating all of these planets with all of these places and you have cities in those planets that are kind of representations of the planet at large, just come up with a couple of other cities, right? Like you don't even have to come up with countries. This is a pain the point just because us- like right. they did like it's new. I think new Alexandria in the game. And I, like, this right. is one where I, I can't come up with anything to say to the fans who are upset. And they're like, why did you not use right. the names from the, like, why did you call it reach city? Like, that's just lazy. Like, I don't know. I have right. no response for you. Like, right. right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I definitely had, you know, I took exception to that and, you know, and, and it's, it is, it is. A, a pedantic well, here's the thing, man. So I they guess. built the whole city so that when an invading force comes, the whole invading force has to come over one particular bridge, right? So the naming of this, it's yes, all a part yes. of that. Like you name it Reach City, and so the right. aliens show up and they're like, "Where do we attack?" <laughs> we're not stupid. We're gonna go straight right. for Reach City, right? Like right. we're not we're not playing around. City. We're yeah, gonna go duh. straight for Reach City. We're gonna go straight right. for that bridge, <laughs> and then we're gonna get Willie Pete Round shot at us. It's all part of the humans. Mm. That's that's true. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly how I foresaw. Um, Yeah, I, I, I liked, I liked how it was going. Um, I think it, it really gave us something to, uh, gave us the ability to focus on someone um, besides Chief in that moment that we could be the avatar, or who could be the Mm -hmm. avatar for us. Yeah, I mean, I think we all knew last episode. I mean, we all again mentioned it as soon as we saw the Perez family. It's oh, that what what a charming, uh, adorable family. They're not going to make it. And, I mean, it, that was <laughs> yeah. that was their their purpose. Is the, these are the humans. These are the and then they showed that family again on the previously for, on, and you're like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's it. I did think uh, they were going to milk that a little more, and I enjoyed yeah. the fact that it was just blown up, and they zoom out, and it's not just that building. It's like the amount of devastation that the Covenant uh, exacted mm-hmm. within seconds is palpable. I just, I love, I love the way that they did it because uh, it wasn't just, oh, might her family have made it? It's um, half the city is gone already. Uh, and I, I really, I, I thought that was, um, yeah. Megan, you mentioned the last time we recorded, like kind of the, the theme of like sacrifice and loss around reach. And I really felt that again, like playing the game. Um, and I, I, like, I thought they did a good job of bringing that home in this episode. And this is one of the places where they did that. So as they continue on, we see, uh, the chief, like John gets into this, like he doesn't have his armor and he gets into this like barehanded battle with these like invisible elites who just like run into like basically like a shopping mall type of area and has like, I thought one of the most crazily shocking, abrupt fights uh, so far that we've seen in Halo. It was just like visceral and so like immediate and you knew it was a fight that he couldn't truly win, right? Because there's like three of these elites and like while he's fighting one, like they show other elites getting away and just like terrorizing humans. Um, And all he can do is try and like buy a few people a little bit of time. Uh, But even then it's like, really what he needs to do is get to fleet com and so i thought the urgency and the kind of desperation of this fight was really awesome there's a lot more fighting that we'll we'll talk about but i know megan you you mentioned in particular this this battle too yeah well 
And, and I think it goes to show again the difference in physicality between Master Chief and everyone else, because the elites are are essentially stomping on other people. I mean, they don't even have to wield right. their swords if they didn't want. Like they they could just swipe, and there goes an entire group of people. Whereas Master Chief was actually able to tackle down this giant so cool. alien and and i oh my gosh i loved this the, the the combat with the knife um it was so quick and sure and i'm like i don't i don't know who his stunt guy is or how much pablo is doing but it is just it was very cool to see uh it looked at, you know obviously i'm not a military person or whatever but it looked like professional and quick and like and and just great choreography uh i really believed that he it he is the guy everyone says he is and it was very cool to see just in this one mm-hmm, quick mm-hmm. scene and i did go back and watch it again and i do believe that he is using a shard of broken table to fight that elite rather than like an actual knife uh seems like he should have a knife with him at all times but hey i was wondering if i'm like i don't remember i mean obviously like again it's it's the show not the game but i don't remember running around with a combat knife. yeah that's true uh so i, I think that's no, but it is, I mean, obvious. Yeah. I guess when you have like titanium, uh, really cool. you know, fused to your bone structure, you could probably just punch people instead of using a knife. Um, yeah. Then uh, right after this battle, like Perez is a little bit shell-shocked at this point, I think understandably. Um, and they kind of stop and she's not sure if she can continue. And Chief is basically like, look, we got to go to fleet Com. you know, you can come with me or not. And she's questioning how the chief can be so calm in the midst of like all these plasma bolts flying and danger and things like that. Um, and they have, see, there was this chip in there the was, the um, I actually want to play this clip, uh, as part of their conversation that they had. Uh, this is John and Corporal Perez. When I was a kid, there's this woman, she flipped a coin. She dared me to call it, and I did. Heads. Eleven times in a row. Lucky. Maybe. I wasn't guessing. I knew. It's always been like that. Every time I go into battle, I know I can lose somebody. I know it's not going to be me. So... This I had super mixed feelings about this, and I don't know how deeply we want to delve into it right now, but I thought this conversation where, like I said, Perez is like not sure she can continue and Chief kind of like, you know, is basically just like, you have to keep going. There's nothing else you can do. That rang really true to me. But the part with the clip I just played where he's sort of like a lot of people I hang out with die, but I don't die. Like that seemed like the opposite of a pump. I'd be like, wait, chief, are you saying I'm going to die? That's why I'm called. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, no one said he was great at pep talks. Right. I, well, I mean, I guess this, this calls back to the John being special stuff from season one, right? This is why him and McKee had that bond. This is why he, you know, he was He's able a to lose one. his V card to her. Right. And and um, so they, you know, so they were definitely playing up that part. I yeah, I don't know if anyone thought about or if they intentionally decided that, you know, Chief's pep talk was going to be trash. Like that was the intention, Um, because, yeah, like if you're sitting there with him 
you're like, wait, other people die around you, but not you. And the other thing that I that I'm asked that I'm that I asked myself after hearing that was episode one, before we even really got the credits, we had somebody tell Chief, hey, your death is coming soon. Right. Uh, You know, my death's coming sooner, but your death is coming soon. So are we going to get to a point where we get to see Chief guess heads and its tails? Right. Like, is that something that they're going to play out narratively in in a in a way that that his alignment with the force? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It gets derailed or something like that. And, you know, like, how is that? How are they going to uh, show us as the audience that that has happened? Hmm. I I do think it's an interesting divergence from the uh, from the game lore also that they took that bit about the fact that John, uh, Cortana states it, I can't remember in which game, that the reason she knew John was special is because John is lucky. Uh, He's just simply got fortune in his pocket in a way that other uh, Spartan candidates didn't. And it's interesting that it was in the games and the books, luck, just a special like as though luck is an actual thing it's a skill uh whereas uh yeah it's a you get skill points in luck and he had he had high skill points and interesting that they use the same uh concept in this except say it's not luck he's actually just like a teeny little bit psychic or something uh and and it's interesting to take it but then change it and i'm not actually sure whether i like that they took it or that they changed it um I guess I'm a little split, but I do. Um, it does explain what makes him more special than every other. Spartan. Yeah, I don't disagree with you at all, Megan. I think that's all right, but I do think, to me, they've always left themselves and wanted to leave themselves a tiny bit of wiggle room around the luck thing, and I think they're almost trying to play with like, you know, there is no luck. There's actually like a cosmic force that determines our luck for us. And so, you know, you can call it one, you can call it the other. Um, They do this thing on Halo Waypoint. They do these silver debriefs where they recap the episodes of Halo, the series in a lot of detail, and they make these connections to the existing game and book lore. um, Sometimes with like, even like supplementary supplementary materials like fake you know fictional like in-universe letters from Perangoski to like the ONI leadership or whatever um and they uh like took care to recite this part from the fall of reach where Halsey is flipping the coin and John is calling it and I actually missed this reading the book but it's like it talks about John's eyes like watching the coin with a strange distant gaze and how his eyes seem to kind of lose their focus on her and the coin when he's calling it. And when he calls it, she thinks to herself, was it possible that he saw which side was up when he grabbed it or more improbably could have picked which side he wanted. She hoped the Lieutenant, which is keys had recorded that she should have told him to keep the data pad trained on her. So I think they've always left themselves a little bit of intentional ambiguity around that point. I don't know if that means that I like it, um, but. Well, and and I think, again, yeah, they did live ambiguous, but in the show, they're narrowing down on that ambiguity and and saying, uh, actually, it it is this. Uh, And 
uh, obviously that comes into play not just with, like you said, not just with Master Chief, but with McKee, obviously, like Weird Shaman Lady, right. the artifacts, um, Quan, all that yeah. kind of stuff. They're they're uh, leaning into it. Uh, the the people we've seen that are like blind and stuff that somehow have knowledge, like I, yeah, they're leaning into that a lot more. Um, yeah, in, they're making their decision the whether the cat is in the box or not in the box. Before we move on to uh, what I'm going to call <laughs> exactly. phase two of this episode, where we kind of get into really the thick of battle and in the fleet com, there is this interesting point where John and Prez are kind of making their way through some shops and they actually take fire from an old earth shotgun. And it turns out to be uh, who I will affectionately call typewriter lady. She is pretty unconcerned with the battle raging ahead and just wants John to use his big, strong muscles to move a couple of uh, heavy pieces of equipment for her. Um, I, I actually, I, I will just say this. I thought the idea of like, it's not just about survival, right? But we have to be surviving for something. And like, there has to be some importance to what we've built. It was an interesting idea to throw in there. Um, I thought, you know, to me, it was just a great example of like what we've said so many times about this show. Like they cannot resist a cliche. Um, anything else to add on that, Megan? Well, yeah, exactly. The, like I said a billion times before, I get what they're trying to do emotionally, <laughs> but the logistics don't make sense. Get to fleet calm. You guys are hurrying to fleet calm. You don't have time to sit around and talk to this old like, lady. He's literally like, you there. can't, there's you no can't level of urgency these people in the mall to run away. But like, hold on while I move this typewriter for this lady. <laughs> well, and even if like, at least seem a little hurried, it seemed like they even forgot. And then they mentioned like, well, we're on our way to Fleet Com. You can come with us. Like, this is the most casual. The shuttle's going to be gone at this rate. Like, yeah. wait. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, did you notice there's an original Xbox in the in the shop? Just fun, fun little Easter egg. But no, I, I did I did hate this scene, which uh, I think you immediately texted me <laughs> and were like, I gotta I gotta know what you're thinking of this. And yeah, I'm like, I think right. we all know what I'm thinking. Well, uh, yeah. so this was the scene. This was this was the scene for the people that skipped the recap <laughs> and missed uh, seeing Perez's family. Like, oh yeah, they're gonna die. So this was this was the representation of the people that have resigned themselves to their fate, but also saying, hey, you've got something to live for just in case you missed it. Last night, um, I watched on Netflix a a short thing about Hollywood cliches hosted by Rob Lowe. And there were three cliches, three cliches from uh, that they said were popular Hollywood cliches that were in this episode. Um, so the, the clairvoyant animals, um, the sacrificial lamb, you know, the person, you know, is not going to make it. Uh, actually they had, they had two of those. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, it was, there was, there was a lot of, a lot of that, you know, there was a lot of cliching in this, in this episode, but I think again, the reason that they're doing it, well, one of the reasons that they're doing it is, you know, let's be let's be honest, they're they're lazy, um, in in some ways, uh, the writers, but also I think the other reason that they're doing it is because they're effective, right? They they're they're desperate to try and get to retain the fans that they currently have, and to win new fans back to the series, and one of the ways that you do that is by, uh meeting people's expectations and subverting them a little as opposed to subverting mm -hmm. them a lot 
and and you know and really giving people uh, a, a chance to say this is not what I wanted. It's not. It's never going to be what you wanted, right? You're not. If you're not writing it, it's not going to be the thing. If you're passionate about anything, um, it's not going to be exactly what you thought it was going to be. Or if it is, consider yourself lucky. But most people aren't that lucky, right? They they can't guess what the coin flip is going to be eleven times out of eleven. Yeah. Um, so I think like through this episode, there's a couple more cliches that I think we can almost like give our, our letter ratings to. Let's move it on to the second part of the what I declare to be the second part of the episode. Uh, let's move it on up to the fleet comm side. Uh, and actually, we'll start before they actually reach fleet comm, Chief kind of links up with Riz and a bunch of other Marines and they kind of um, really join the battle in full. He gets the utter what I guess a lot of people felt like was an iconic line of, uh, I need a weapon. Uh, but he says it like overlapping with Riz saying some stuff. Uh, and a lot of people are upset that he was wearing a t-shirt when he said the line. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> um, I thought it was cool. You know, you see like Lewis, um, and Danilo are there. Um, there's a bunch of Marines. It's just kind of like all hands on deck and everyone's fighting for survival. You know, Riz is like, help yourself to a weapon. I got to say real quick, I'm, I'm very happy. I totally saw the whole scene coming of you're not allowed to go into combat. You're, you're bent straight. You oh, know, right, like right. they didn't have any of that dumb drama. They're right. like, yeah, no, it's right, war right. here. <laughs> like, yeah. And I, like continue. I was, so yeah, let's talk about why everybody is in t-shirts uh, and why Riz and Vanek and the chief never get to suit up. And that's because they go inside and keys basically admits to John, like, look, you were right. Uh, Cobalt team got attacked by the Covenant. It was a cover-up. And Ackerson took your Mjolnir armor uh, off-planet. He evacuated with it when he was evacuating critical assets. Uh, You may remember he told Chief, at the end of the day, the Master Chief is just a guy in a suit. So what was the critical asset? To Ackerson, the critical asset is not the Spartans. To Ackerson, the critical asset is their armor. And I actually want to dig into this just a tiny bit. Because uh, Ackerson appears in The Fall of Reach, the book. I knew his name sounded familiar. I looked him up in the Halo Encyclopedia. He's not in there because he's a sneaky SOB. But he's in The Fall of Reach, the book. And when the Master Chief is going, so the Spartans go through several, they do several missions without their armor at all. Like what makes a Spartan is not the armor. Like, I'm sorry, fans. It's just not right. It's their years of it's being kidnapped when they're six years old and having augmentations right. done to them and having no family except the UNSC. That's what makes a Spartan a Spartan. Like their life is the mission. Then they get some cool armor, right? It's just like fancy armor. It doesn't have energy shields or anything like that. The chief does not get energy shields in his armor until he's been a Spartan for like 20 years or whatever. And at that point, in those armor trials, when he's like testing out the new armor with the energy shields, Ackerson sends like a literal like airstrike to kill him. Like he tries to like end the Spartan program there. Um, and then, you know, this is like, like I'm just going to say, because uh, I'm not going to be able to, to keep this under my hat for like the whole season or anything like that. But like uh, in the Halo Encyclopedia and everything like that, there is this concept in the Halo lore of Spartan 3s. John and his generation are Spartan 2s. The Spartan 3s are essentially created um, by skipping a lot of the augmentation stuff and taking uh, children who have been orphaned by the war and uh, basically just pumping them up on some battle stims and putting them in this new combat armor um, that he kind of derives from 
stealing their combat armor. So I think like there are a lot of really, really cool connections here for me. And I think when you take that idea of like <clears throat> what makes the Spartan, is it their training and their, you know, their their dedication to the mission or is it their armor? Uh, I think it works when you're talking about the show. I think it works when you're talking about fans of the show. Um, and I actually, I don't know, the more I read the reach book and like played that game and everything and thought more about the Spartan program, the more I actually really appreciated what they're doing with Akerson here. I wasn't into it initially, but like, I think they have, have brought it to a cool place here. Uh, and I wanted to get, uh, your take on that. Uh, Cicero, let's start with you. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, there's one of the things that I thought about this episode in general was the fact that it came too quickly, right? Like this wasn't where I thought we were going in the, in the, like at the level that we were, that we were doing it within, within the, within the context of yeah, this particular I love that about this episode. Um, episode, right? And, and uh, yeah, and I do love that about this episode. And, but the, the thing, the thing that, that we're, we're left with is there still has to be some drama. There still has to be something that's happening to fill the rest of the time that is more than just fighting the covenant and and trying to discover whatever it is you know recovering katana and doing whatever it is that, that we were going to do and find out about mckee there's got to be more drama and that drama is Ackerson and and you know getting your gear back and you know finding out what they're doing with the armor and all of those other things where the hell Kai K is, you know, Kai. Um, I've messed you yes, all up. Yes, you, you, you've destroyed me. <laughs> but like all of those things are things that we need to deal with. And th if one of the things that they're they're going to be diving deep into is the fact that uh, Ackerson has stolen the Mjolnir armor so that he can um, modify it and make it better for these bastardized versions of Spartans that he needs and, and you know and i guess to a certain extent that makes sense right like if we know that we're fighting um we're in a fight for the for the uh pr you know the 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 prevalence of the species at this point and and the thing that's going to help us fight and defeat these the the covenant are spartans we need more of them and the only way to make more of them is to do it in you know in a in a in a chamber right like do it in an accelerated pace so we've got to figure out how to do that right we can't afford to kidnap a bunch of kids and 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 raise them for 15 years before we can make them become spartans we've got to do this in you know months or weeks and and so all of that stuff seems to make sense from from Ackerson's perspective um but you know obviously it's not something that is desirable on our end nor is it something that we think is is actually going to work but taking adult subjects would be more akin to the Spartan 4 program uh but yeah Megan uh what what are your thoughts here yeah uh you know what's funny is I think the way that you put the debate between whether a Spartan is their armor or um the uh everything that makes a spartan aside from the armor uh that debate i think the way you put it made it sound so much more interesting than the way that the show milked it and i you know as soon as they said 
your armor is gone. Ollie turns to me and says, oh, because it's the warrior within that matters. <laughs> and then Keyes stands up and does a speech and is like, he does not need his armor for it is the warrior within. And I'm like, oh my God. Like just the way that they said it, the way that they used it, it, uh, you know, I understand why they did it. I understand why Ackerson took it. And I understand the point that they're attempting to make. Uh, but Ty, you you managed to make it sound so much cooler than the way that they did it. Um, well, that's what Forward Under Quan is here for. Uh, and that's <laughs> like why Kiki Wolfkill should come I, I on don't know. our show. I, I actually, let's go ahead and transition <laughs> to that uh, kind of pump up speech by Keys because, uh, well, yeah, Megan, I know that moment in the speech did not work for you. I think it's fair to say Keys is a little better at hyping up the people under his command than perhaps the Master Chief is. I, I got to say, I did like the speech for the most part. It was that line that was pretty cringe, but I was like, actually, that's a damn good pep talk. Yeah, like, and I think we I, both like, yeah. not to say that you have to like the line, but I think we both understood that part of the point is just to keep these Marines uh, like in the fight. He basically tells them, if you stay here and fight, you're not going to survive the day. I can't, you know, order you to do this, but the the longer we can stay here and fight, the more civilians that we can evacuate from this planet and they're going to go on and have the chance to be, you know, live a life free from war because of the sacrifice that you made here today. Uh, again, you don't have to be super original uh, to give a good speech in the context like that. And uh, I want to play the last line of his speech because I, I, I will say this got me a little bit uh, fired up. Show those scaly bastards they fucked with the wrong planet! So, uh, yeah, again, I think definitely better than John. And I thought there was a cool moment where, like, like in the middle of his speech, Keys pulls John up to talk about, like, hey, this is Master Chief. He doesn't have his armor. Don't worry about it. And everyone's like, oh, my God, it's Master Chief. They have so much, like, they're all starstruck. It was really cute, like... They've all known about it. Like, it goes to show just how, like, and then, uh, legendary. Yeah, and Cicero, we Master talked Chief about is. how, like, what you can see on their faces as this kind of, like, right. speech is unfolding. Right, right. Well, well, I mean, the, th- the thing that I loved about it was this, the, the, the way that they were able to convey that message that, you know, yeah, that chief is legendary, but here he stands before you, and he's not just a myth. He is a man. And and the fact that you can see the man in front of you and that you know that you're going to fight with Chief and you're probably going to die with Chief, but you're going to fight it's with Chief. It's a good Chief, way to go. Right? And he's here. Right. He's here with you. Right? This is – if maybe they weren't going to sing a song of me, but they're definitely going to sing yeah. a song of the Chief. And I'm if I'm fighting the with the chief, then I'm, they're going to, right, right. Well, they're going to sing my song. Something they do a lot in the games, actually. A lot of the times when you're walking past a group of Marines, they'll go, oh, it's the chief. Right. Is that Master Chief? Look, a Mark V. You know, right. it, it makes you feel, right, right. yeah, it makes you feel really cool yeah. whenever, and, uh, and whenever you so, walk So, yeah, and, and in the game, it's awesome because the, the armor is iconic, right? So people know exactly who you are because of your armor. The fact that they were able to say that about him without his armor, right? To see him, and instead of that just being a really tall bastard, it's the chief. That's the chief, and he's a really tall bastard. And we're, yeah. you know, we're out there. Real quick, though, yeah. do you think I'd like to know the conversation everybody had when they're at the table when somebody was like, dude, fans are not going to be happy. We're doing the epic Battle of Reach, and we're taking away their armor, and they're like, I just, were they like, 
fuck the fans or like, hey, that doesn't matter. We've got something cooler. Like, because it did. Yeah. So, Megan, you it did feel like a little particular line from Keys about today. The chief yeah. needs no armor because all he needs is the warrior within. You read that as like a direct broadside from the Halo writers to the the fans. I, I saw it was cheesy and also kind of I, I don't know. I don't know whether to read it like that, but I certainly know they had to have known it was going to be read like that. Yeah, yeah I, 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 do they care? Yeah, I think, I think <laughs> right, I think that they don't care, right? Like that's you know, uh, a famous thing that that may or may not have been said by Henry Ford is that, you know, when I asked people what they wanted before I made the Model T, they said they wanted a faster horse. And, um, you know, and and I, I think about that often because uh, fans are dumb, right? We're idiots. We don't know what we want. We only know yeah, we what we think homer. we want. And, right, and, right. And, and you know, when you get the Homer, everyone goes bankrupt. The, the, the thing is that the writers, right, whoever is controlling the canon has to dictate and direct where the canon is going to go or where the franchise, where that IP is going to go. And they have to stick to that idea. They can't mix it in the middle and they just have to be committed to it. And, and just, you know, sometimes I do say, agree Fuck them kids. Like for the most part, it just on this particular, on this particular note, right. it seemed like, I don't know. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I I <laughs> I look at it and I say, okay, well, they, I mean, they can't all be gems, right? They they <laughs> they, um, you know, some sometimes there there's some turds. But what what I will say is that I will be evoking keys in 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 early April as the cicadas come into my yard, right? Like I get these fucking scaly bastards. You know they picked the wrong planet, right? So, so that's that's what I'm thinking about. Um, so yeah, so thank you very much, writers, um, for for that for that little tidbit because I'm gonna be. I may it. not have gotten fans, <laughs> right. but I got a line to use right. against the insects. Uh, <laughs> they come into. I'm my gonna use here. my host prerogative to uh, take kind of the last word on this and then move it along. Okay. And, and that is that, you know, uh, for me, I recognize I am somebody, I, I'm not a good critic. Like I almost decide sometimes what I like in advance. And like, there's like, I'm not, I'm not going to dislike the halo show. Um, it's just probably not going to happen regardless of what choices they make in the halo show. So everybody should understand that's the context for what I'm saying. Um, but to me, uh, I texted Cicero this, I thought it was a bad idea to do the fall of reach without the armor. And I thought by the end of the episode, they had utterly proven to me why it actually worked. Um, and even if that whole concept that I just laid out of like what makes a Spartan was only in my head, I saw enough of that in the hallway pep talk with Perez um, and in the way that he handles uh, like kind of just the rest of the, the day. Right. And not just him, but Soren actually as the Spartan in Zoran comes out in this episode. Um, and so to me, uh, yeah, like I actually, I, I thought this was a, a, a bad idea that ended up working better than I thought. Um, we'll keep talking about it, but I do want to move on and hit a couple of other plot points in this episode. We see um, as, the, as this running battle is going and they're kind of like trying to filter the covenant to this bridgehead, we see uh, like 
Lewis, the Spartan that we met earlier, who like went blind from the augmentations. He's joining the battle. He's got a grenade launcher. Uh, he's tearing it up. Uh, and then like Danilo is like, yeah, let me come with you to fleet Com, right? Like I can help with the wounded. And I think from that moment, it was fairly clear uh, where this was headed. To me, this was like very like reminiscent of Lord of the Rings, um, where, you know, like, oh, that guy went down. So now that guy's going to like go, you know, rage right. sacrifice himself. Um, and you see Danilo go down. Uh, Riz like blows up a bunch of elites in retribution uh, and breaks the news to Lewis. I, they did confirm on Halo Waypoint that they're a uh, married couple. Um, Lewis and Danilo right. um, and Lewis is just like okay you know then this is where I need to be um, and basically stays behind to blow up a, a Wraith tank which is the big uh, plasma round firing tank um, for me very cliched but they didn't dwell on it too much it worked fine um, Right. it was fine and the fact that he had a grenade launcher I was like he I was tearing it up blind, but like you know what I, right. like well and uh, he he's aiming the big thing at the big thing. Right. I'm okay Echolocation, with that maybe. having worked, yeah. and also just like ooh a race. And he's it, it, well, <laughs> and exciting. you can tell there's like he has a kind of a recklessness to the way that he's fighting. He's like, yeah, keep making that noise. Like I'll get you. And then at one point, I missed it in my first watch, but I noticed the sec- they they actually call for him. They t- they start taking fire from above, and the only way they can shoot up there is like indirect fire. And so they're they're like Lewis, and they're like so they call him with his grenade launcher, and he like blows up this like. Uh, kind of balcony full of elites so yeah i thought i thought it was all cool yeah yeah it all all worked for me um and yeah these were these were the the this is the type of fodder that you expect in these types of episodes and and you know to your point todd like uh, you know even i said that uh yeah if you if you said to me beforehand right that that uh we're gonna see the fall of reach and we're gonna see spartans but none of the spartans are gonna have their armor um, you know, I would say that there's no way that no way in hell that could work. And it did. And it worked. It, it worked incredibly well. And I think that if they did have their armor on many of the things that I think worked really well in this episode would not have. So, um, you know, the, the, the interactions between Perez and chief, um, the interactions between, the Spartans themselves. Uh, and, and then, you know, and then obviously we're, you know, we're getting to uh, the, the end, but the sacrifice that we got from silver team um, that would have played very differently um, if we weren't able to see the faces of, of the, hmm. of the characters. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, meanwhile on reach, uh, we know that Halsey and Soren, when we left them in the previous episode had been uh, put together in their jail cell, I actually sort of didn't realize that this was like in the basement of Fleetcom, but I guess that's where they were. Um, and so while this battle is raging above, it knocks out um, power and the Covenant start to make their way down to that little, uh, what Soren calls a dungeon. Um, and so the kind of hologram house that Halsey has been in, like that all breaks down and they see that they're just in this like kind of featureless cell. Soren is just like, I'm out of here. Uh, he's like, I'm going my own way. I'm not trusting you. You can tell he like really wants <laughs> to like follow through on like these feelings that he's had for Halsey for so long. But this is like so not the way that he envisioned the situation going. And he he's like, well, crap, I guess I'll follow you. You know, like I this is you do know where you're going, you know, like I, what else am I going to do? Um, but what I want to talk about with Soren and Halsey is uh, this really interesting. I guess you could call it a revelation. Um, 
we saw this flashback from Soren's past as a Spartan where he escapes. John tries to stop him from escaping and John gives him five minutes or something mm-hmm. to, to clear the base. Um, and I guess uh, I should have seen this coming, but I really didn't. Uh, Halsey has a different interpretation of events and they, this happens over two scenes. So I don't have one audio clip that encompasses the whole thing. Um, but I'm going to play a clip from where Soren has had a little time to think about Halsey initially revealing this to him. And he wants to kind of um, force the truth out of her a little bit more and put a little bit of pressure on her and make sure that he's understanding this correctly. What did you mean? I saw your potential, your strength, your focus. They all look to you. John looked to you. And after your augmentation failed, I needed him to look to himself. No. No, that's not what happened. Why do you think there was no one guarding the ships the night you ran away? And so what you cannot see, because this is a podcast, is Soren's face during this conversation. Um, I, you know, it, to me, it's no secret. I think Natasha McElhone is uh, just an absolute star in the show as Halsey. And I think here, Soren uh, Bokeem Woodbine really like rises to her level. I loved this scene. Um, Megan, I want to throw it to you. Yeah, what no, did you I loved think it. Here? Uh, and I loved, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, the, the woman who plays Halsey, is, uh, Natasha, uh, is just i i love her and i'm so i was worried that she was not going to feature in this season and mm-hmm. i'm so excited with how much she has yeah. and i i love um the the first half of that conversation that you didn't play when he says i ran away and she says like that's one way of seeing that's it that's as good and a story just, as any that's a good a story as any and the way that she says it is just so subtle and so just a teeny little bit biting but Soren's like hey hey hold on and it's like and you know he can't as confident as he is he's a big confident big pirate man and he just like he's in charge hold up hold up mom get back here i need to talk to you um and and it's really cool like it's it's something that this show is not good at doing which is uh subtlety and letting the actors play things with their expressions rather than their words and those two scenes combined were exactly the kind of writing i would hope to see more of and I, w- I was really excited and I thought that the actors pulled it off the I yeah I was very I liked it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I just want I just want to say that I, I think uh, you know so uh, when we saw in, in season one that Bo Keep went by was was, uh, was cast I, I you know I know I made a point of saying that how much I love this actor um, and I've seen him in a bunch of different things and he's got uh, great catchphrases and um but I, I just want to again reiterate that I think he was perfectly cast, and this this episode really kind of showed why he was perfectly cast because he's 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 kind of aloof. He's kind of you know he's very cocksure, um, and he plays that right, and he's rough around the edges, and he plays all of those things so well throughout throughout the course of the series. But in this in this episode specifically. He sees Halsey and he has an expectation of how Halsey is going yeah. to respond to him. And it is exactly not the way that he thought it was going Dude, to go. The moment when he first starts talking to her and he ta- he's like, I've been waiting for And he takes a step towards her right. and she doesn't step back at all. She's just, Recoil, you know, like right. she just looks, she's looking up right. at him. 
like like almost like oh are you gonna give me a hug type of like a mother you know what i mean yeah Yeah. i just loved it yeah yeah it it so it completely subverts his expectations of how she is going Mm -hmm. to respond to him and that sends him off balance and and the thing that he's recognizing throughout their conversations is how every time he says something and he expects it and you know part of the thing is when he's on the rubble part of the reason that he's kind of a warlord is because he's savvy enough and he's cunning enough to be to be two steps ahead of just about everyone that's there he's smarter than everyone there um and he's able to use his tools to to really get get a, you know an advantage and he's on not overly sentimental keep them off balance right he's willing right, to crush right. your foot and, under a you know a forklift or whatever right, right right um so so the fact that halsey who who knows of his reputation you know he, he sees him and doesn't react the way that he expects puts him all off you know all off kilter and now he's he's discombobulated and those conversations the way that she's having them is so matter of fact that he knows that she's not lying to him like the the perspective that she has of this of these situations are honest perspectives now he's gotta he's gotta try and suss out the reality, right? Like, you know, you know, there's your story, there's my story and the truth. And he's trying to suss that out. And, and, you know, by the time we get to that final scene, that clip that you played, he's re he's recognizing that, Oh, Oh shit. She is right. Like they let me go. My entire foundation, the entire, um, uh, like MO for who I am as a person, how I've lived my life is predicated on the fact that I made, you know, that I delivered this on my own yeah. terms. And ha- like, now how do I reconcile the person that I am versus the person who I thought I was based on these, based on this well, information? And it shows the power of Halsey that this, yes, like really skinny, older woman, no weapons, right. no power, no mass, right. Disarms him with one line, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. that's who she is. Mm-hmm. Right, and you know, I mean, but that's but that's who she's been, right? Yeah. She walks amongst titans, and they cower in front of her all of the time. They are just all of them are incredibly angry and confounded by her, but no one will do anything to. Yeah, harm she's their mom. Her. So we need to yeah. move it along, right. but this is actually a perfect transition right. because. Uh, like he's so caught off guard that actually when this next critical event happens, he moves to protect Halsey immediately. And so he thinks Halsey is leading them out of the base uh, to escape the planet somewhere. But Halsey uh, surprisingly has an ulterior motive. She's actually leading them deeper within the base because she's trying to get to Cortana. She finds Cortana, Cortana's image, uh, you know, flickers to life and Cortana just says, Dr. Halsey run. And at that moment, we see Maki appear from the darkness. She takes the whatever disc thing that I guess Cortana is on. I, it still like upsets me that I guess they just captured Cortana in between seasons after making such a huge show out of like the guy who like helped design Cortana and designs Oni's firewalls. Like couldn't capture Cortana, but like now she's captured. Um, and they changed her face. Th- I don't get it. That really, yeah, I I couldn't believe that. Like I think Julia has convinced me that at this point that's just. 
the design change that they made. Pablo Schreiber has said mm. they changed Cortana in the games from game to game, which is absolutely true. So we changed her in the show. Uh, I, I just don't get it. I thought she was spot on in the first season. Yeah. Uh, in, in the games, she gets like a stylish haircut and gets weirdly sexier and more she's naked. She's pretty different, but the technology but like, changed so much too. that like In this one, it's right. just like her whole face is just... And but and I was so like, but that's the same work. voice. Why did they? And it is Jen Taylor's voice. This new yeah. actor, uh, like I will say, her face is extremely expressive. Like when she looks at Halsey and she's like, "Run," you know, it's great face acting, but it's it's very disorienting to me, uh, especially yeah. after they've been so like they've kept the continuity so intact with every other performer in the show. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about why this is such a big deal. First, okay, uh, first what I wanted to mention with Soren is uh, Maki takes Cortana. There's an elite, which turns out to be the Arbiter, like Sidney Goodman just calls him the Arbiter in the after show. So uh, it's the Arbiter. Um, But he like, you know, he goes to attack Halsey. I guess there's some kind of like glass screen in between them. But Soren, like without hesitation, he's like, get back. And he pulls out like he protects Halsey. Like he moves to like shield her with his own body and like shoot at this elite and i thought that was like such a good you know it's like regardless of whatever internal strife he's facing like you know no matter how mad you are at mom like you're gonna protect yeah 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 so i thought that was all really cool and i did just want to mention because i think it's important that we uh do just like get out in the open why it's so important that cortana has been taken it's not just that like she's important she knows a lot about the spartans and about halsey but cortana has access to all of ONI's information. I mentioned on a previous episode that like um, the UNSC should have like strict protocols about like not uh, letting the covenant find the location of earth. You're supposed to like purge your nav databases and, and like jump to random locations when you're under covenant attack. And this blows a hole. That's called the coal protocol. Like this blows a hole in all of that. And like now the covenant have everything. Um, they have all of our weapons research. They have all of our navigational databases. They know the location of earth and everything. So that sets them up for something that does happen in halo Two, the game, which is that the covenant move pretty quickly from reach onto invading earth. Uh, we got to get Cortana back. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, so I didn't realize that was the arbiter. It makes sense. It's great. I thought I've read something where they, they specifically didn't say that it was the arbiter, but if Sidney Goodman said it in the official Paramount plus blah, 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 then, you know, then, then yeah, then that's what it is. Right. It's canon. Um, If you actually go back and look again at his armor, it's, Exact. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah all he said, that's arbiter. the Arbiter. He said, no. I was with you until Sydney said that. I mean, does that mean, though, they're planning on doing and so, the for our... Forerunner Flood Arbiter entire... Yeah, and so, <laughs> you know, for our viewers, the Arbiter is, like, a bad guy who eventually turns into a... Um, leader of a rebel bad guy faction and allies with the master chief um basically something called the great schism reaches the covenant where the covenant are basically split between those who want to continue on the the great journey and following the prophets and those who realize it's uh, a genocidal bs plan and uh, basically join forces with the humans in a war of survival so i think at this point how much of that they're leaving all that open for themselves um but really an open question what they're going to do with arbiter at this point i want to move on let's let's get to kind of um the the closing parts of the episode we've got some um 
we've got some KIAs. We already talked about Danilo and Lewis, uh, but we've got uh, a few more, unfortunately. So um, Master Chief convinces Keys uh, to not go out and fight, but that he is needed. Uh, I thought actually in a quite eloquent case, like, look, if you're not here to give the orders, it's going to be people like Ackerson giving the orders. And I thought, wow, that's great. This is a really good case for leaving uh, Captain Keyes in place as a counterweight to Ackerson. And then Keyes has to go detach some fuel lines uh, to get the civilian transport out. He could have ordered anybody to detach the fuel lines, but, you know, he did it himself. Um, he realizes that he's surrounded by jackals at this point. Uh, my captions on Paramount said that the jackals were speaking Sangheili. I do not think that is the case. I think they should be speaking Kigyar. Um, but anyway... <gasps> Yeah, it's embarrassing. (laughs) Uh, Whatever, last episode, I just called it Covenant because I couldn't remember their language names. Uh, And so, like, there's this, I thought it was really, like, I got got what they were doing, you know, like we talked about before. Like, okay, I get the cliche, like somebody's sacrificing themselves. But, like, Keys is, like, standing there surrounded by all these jackals who are just looking at him for, like, a really long time. I don't, like, do they know he's really important? Are they just, like, giving him some space to so we can all look longingly at his sacrifice? Were they, like, hoping that he would, like, engage them? in single combat yes like, I, that's right I that's what it was I, they, I feel they weren't f- afraid of him. it sucks though because but, when when master chief made that case that he should uh go and i said wow you know i i didn't think the show had it in him but it's nice to know that the show understands that sacrifice is not always uh <laughs> sacrificing your life but his sacrifice was that he is not going to stay behind it that is a very important sacrifice for keys and yeah it just reverses within two minutes i'm like well <laughs> so mm-hmm. much for that mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah uh i mean you you smell this coming more than you smell the gas <laughs> um that that blew that blew away um i guess this right i mean (laughs) you know he 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 went out he went out like a g so you know props props to 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 admiral keys pour one out for him i mean i guess that means perez is going to be a bigger part of the show now uh yeah i don't know because like she could kind of she could or she could just be gone now because like she took these civilians right right she took these civilians away. Yeah, um, but yeah, you should so, know like, better about you know, the show, though, Megan, because we thought right. that shaman lady was out. And spoiler oh, alert: right. so she's coming back. I didn't believe you, which right. is why I had to watch the trip. I mean, I believed you, but not like. Right. Yeah, right. I didn't want to, so yeah. I watched the trailer. And it's just, <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. so I've gone from like so excited to see, you know, this episode next? to yeah. um. <laughs> you guys were really letting me down here uh for the next episode yeah so yeah so uh, he he went out like a g we still have perez we don't have kwan back here but we go back inside and there is there is more battles to be had with distraught halsey in you know in the hallway looking at the pit where our hus- where our ex-husband used to be uh and then we get we get the 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 next the last big fight yeah i thought that scene that you just mentioned with hall like i thought that was powerful like seeing halls you get emotional yeah yeah to show she's yeah. not a psychopath she well, her, her morals are certainly gray when it comes to creating the spartans but that does not make right. her inhuman right right and and i and i think i think that's if if you know ten thousand foot view if you look at the human 
antagonists in this show. Last season, it really seemed like it was Halsey. This season, it seems like it's Ackerson. I think that there is some pathos to to like their their uh, intentions that you can you know that you can kind of see going going in. I don't think Ackerson is as mustache twirly as some of his actions would lead you to believe. And and I think we, you know, say the same thing about Halsey. I think the, the scene right before the, right before Keyes' death, where we're in the hallway, Saren has, has pulled her through the blast doors and she's, you know, she's fighting him and he, in comes Chief and Vanek and Riz and they see Halsey for the first time. And there, and everybody's face is there's confusion, anger, and relief, right? That they're able to see each other all again, and then there's this giant explosion. Um, yeah, I think I thought all of that stuff really worked. I thought the dramatic stuff in the in this episode really, really did a great job. You know, overall. Yeah. And so, uh, since we're a great transition, uh, a- after that little reunion happens, uh, we only get a couple of seconds of uh, reaction shots there before more elites led by the Arbiter uh, as well as McKee bust into the room and another uh, large battle breaks out. Um, I thought uh, the scene where the Master Chief, uh, he pulls out his uh, energy sword to battle with the, the Arbiter. And then he gets shot in the stomach with a plasma bolt and the Arbiter turns and slices that elite's head off for ruining his, uh, yeah. his hand-to-hand combat was like awesome. It fits so well with like that abrupt yeah. thing that this episode did right. so well. Um, and it's also like, dude, he got shot in the stomach with like a plasma pistol. Like that's a pretty big, that's a significant injury, you know, they have to drag him right. out of the battle. Um, and then we do see Maki in the background, uh, kind of like walking away as they're dragging, uh, John from the battle. And I thought you could kind of see her give like a, almost like a sorrowful look, you know, um, back toward John. But while all that is going on, we see Vanek, uh, tries to grab a needler. Uh, he takes down a jackal, I think, or something like that. And then he shoots a couple rounds. Uh, the needler is fully automatic, Vanek. I don't know if you're aware of that, but he shoots a couple rounds uh, <laughs> into the Arbiter's chest. Uh, the Arbiter takes one out, jams it into Vanek's chest. It explodes. And uh, that is the end of Vanek. He never lost until he lost everything. Plus, right? <laughs> uh, like... This was like, this was where it kind of became a little much even for me. Like, it was sort of like, okay, I don't mind that you have to take down a Spartan, but like, I don't know, man, one needler bolt that he like stabs in it. Like, I didn't even know you could do that with needler bolts, you know? There, there was in Mass Effect. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You're playing. Yeah. So you're playing through Mass Effect and you're, you know, you're using all your powers and you're shooting all of these things. And, you know, it's taking all of these shots They're to, 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 yeah, to, to, to take down all of these, these um, adversaries. The gap. Then there is a, right. Then there is a moment in the game where your Krogan ally is having a, a philosophical debate with you about how you guys should move forward and if you choose to 
you can really be against the Krogan and the Krogan gets really upset with you. And then you have the chance to shoot the Krogan. And if you choose to shoot the Krogan, you shoot him once and he is dead forever. But there has been nothing in the game up until that point that you shoot once and is dead forever. I mean, we all know there's gameplay death and cinematic death. Yeah, it's a cutscene. And right. yeah, and cutscene yeah. death. And, and this yeah. was Fanic was a cutscene death. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, clearly. Yeah, a little clearly. bit of armor would have helped. Yeah, death death by narration um, is is the thing that I saw. the The other thing that I want to say is, you know, so there was that oh shit moment where uh, Chief's, Chief's battle rifle gets sliced in half and he sees the, 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 the energy shield and he's, he gets ready to ignite it and he ignites it. You hear, the, you hear the, the snap hiss or whatever and you're like, oh shit, here we go. And he's about to swing it and he gets shot. And that let me know, okay, fine. We're not going to see Chief versus the Arbiter with energy shields yeah, swords, we're yeah. only gonna yeah we're gonna see or with energy swords yes yes <laughs> yeah we're 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 gonna see that we are gonna see that battle but it's gonna be in the armor right it's gonna be exactly how they're gonna have to have a rematch the, the fans yeah the fans really want to see that and so that's why we were we were cheated from it at at this point and I just have to say one other thing about the needler I'm still on the needler. Like, yeah, <laughs> they don't blow up unless they super combine, which they don't do until you shoot a bunch of rounds together. Like one single needler round doesn't doesn't do that. Like you can you can go play Halo, grab a needler, find a Marine, shoot him with it a couple times. He'll be fine. I'm going to go test that not, out. Yeah, <laughs> not if his health is not if his health is so, real low. And you supercharge it with your hand and so, twist it. It's the so twist. the kind of final moments. I, also, I don't think you can use an energy sword without armor. But like, hey, they can they can do whatever they want. Um, the final moments of this episode. Uh, this is just the thing I really, really don't like. The Arbiter is like bringing his sword down to to kill the chief to deliver the coup de gras, and Maki is like, "Stop!" in Sanghili, and he like stops mid swing. You know, like these guys would all be amazing at baseball because they can check their swing like. Yes. Uh, yeah. and you know, she's just like, not yet or something like that. And and they walk away. Um, I always just find this tiresome when the bad guy totally has the good guy dead to rights. And it's just like, no, we need to stretch out the drama. Let's go. And this is the second time this has happened between, between these, these two, two exact, like combat- with the arbiter yeah. and, uh, the chief has already happened on uh sanctuary. Every other episode okay. is just going to be an arbiter, yeah. the arbiter <laughs> with a sword right. and keep being like, no, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> maybe that's what the shaman meant. She's like, I've seen your death. And she's like, I've seen it like a right. dozen times. It just keeps not happening. Saying, it is getting so suspicious right. that like we saw, I really liked in season one, the backstory conversations between, the prophets and McKee. And I think we're really owed one of those at this point, right? Like they talked mm-hmm. at the end of season where they're like, Oh yeah, we're just going to use McKee and we're going to kill her as soon as we like find the ring and stuff like that. And right. the mistrust that should be brewing with the arbiter and the rest of the covenant, like she keeps telling us not to kill her ex-boyfriend, right? Like something suspicious right. is right. going on unless she can explain why that is. And, and there doesn't really seem to be, they're both blessed ones. Right. Um, right. So anyway, more to come there. 
Um, I want to spend just a second talking about uh, predictions for how this will all uh, kind of end up, like where the Battle of Reach will conclude, because like they have promised there is more action to come. We have seen in the trailers for the season large space battles with like the chief like kind of hopping out of the back of a pelican into space. Um, and there's been no hint of that so far. I don't know if that happens over Reach, but I, it's going to happen this season. Um, and so I just wanted to talk about like in light of the fact that they're clearly not going to send John to Halo uh, in the Pillar of Autumn with Captain Keys, since Captain Keys just died. Um, where do we think this is going? I have a hope and more of an expectation. Um, and so I'll start off. My hope is that the reason that we actually didn't see Kai in this episode is because she's playing along with Ackerson and she is with Ackerson, but that she will, that she's actually gonna like at some point kind of you know, turn back towards the the good side of John. Um, and she's going to be kind of the, the route through which John recovers his armor um, and is able to go start kicking some covenant. But I don't think that's actually a realistic expectation for the show, but that's my current headcanon because I think it's cool. Um, Megan, <laughs> what are your thoughts on where we might be going with uh, some of the stuff? You can pick any, any of this. Well, with, yeah. With I mean, I or... do think Kai, I think Kai is with Ackerson, and they do need to get their armor back somehow. So I don't know. It doesn't seem like out of the realm of possibility. Um, I think if Kai is with Ackerson, she's going to feel like a real idiot when she realizes McKee is actually still alive, since that's what like this is entirely predicated on, is her belief that Master Chief has freaking lost it. Um, I don't actually really have predictions other than I think Kai is with Ackerson, because I've, I've learned with the show that I have no idea whatever to expect ever. That's a really important point <laughs> that you touched on, Megan, is that now the whole chief is crazy case is, is pretty much like, I think the battle lines have been set, right? Like everyone from Halsey to Soren to Riz at this point should, should pretty much see. Like, yeah. I mean, everyone just saw McKee crazy. McKee and they saw alive. the elites and it turns out uh, Cobalt did die and so on and so forth. Yeah. I, 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 I would like perhaps an apology from from maybe like Riz at least. It was nice to hear Keys be uh, honest, uh, upfront and honest. That, uh, <laughs> that yeah, the, I'm that sorry. That was the we best apology. He's just like, yeah. I wish you were dead so I wouldn't I have to hear this. Dead. I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't have hopes or expectations. And then the other thing I'll throw in, we do know, we do know Miranda is alive, but we don't know. Oh yeah, they did mention Miranda. They real, so they remember she exists, which is nice. So she's not a ship commander, but I think I'm still on team. They're going to do a keys switcheroo where instead of going to Halo with with Captain Keys, he's going to end up going to Halo with, I don't know, maybe she'll be a Captain Keys. (laughs) Miranda. Right, right. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe she becomes a captain because, uh, because fans admiral, are gonna love that. yeah, because Keys is an admiral. Miranda, and Miranda in the games is a ship commander and uh, yeah. uh, combat. Okay. You know, she's. I'm just not sure if they would like her replacing right. Keys, even though. Yeah, no. Yeah. There's like, right. well, whatever. she's still. She's Julia still sent me like a article. It was like Polygon or something, and the URL was like Halo reach keys bad and it was just like about how they they blew it by killing keys basically i I saw yeah i saw the article by polygon and honestly they did not make a good case for why like keys needed to stick around like they just seemed real that's just the way it should be right well the case that's the way it should be and that's that's why it's you know that's why it's bad it was a really long article and it, it it did not yeah it didn't didn't work right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's what that's what these think pieces will do. They'll they'll spend <laughs> a lot of time 
uh, trying to prop up a, a flimsy justification for a thing that they just knew, you know, that's how they saw it first. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's how it should. But let's be. let's hear it. Stub, um, let's hear a stubnostication because I think I, I mean, I felt like they did telegraph the keys thing uh, being sacrificed here. But I think you called it a, right. a little earlier than I, I would have. So what do, what do you got for us? Um, so I, I I I think you're right. I think that the the what we're going to get is the double agent Kai. Um, who helps get everybody's, wow. you know, get get the get the team back together? Because you know, so the, the things that we know is that Chief is uh, presumably gravely wounded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to have to yeah, get, they gotta get him some bio foam sprayed they, in there. Right, right. They've got to they've got to get him somewhere where they can they can uh, fix him because clearly uh, the Chief is the key to everyone's survival. Um, regardless to to where they're gonna, you know, where they're going to survive, and it's clear that the planet reaches and going to be a place that's going to be inhabitable real soon, or habitable real soon. So they got they're gonna have to leave, and as they leave, they've got to you know catch up with the rest of the fleet so that they can get their armor back and and get back into the fight and finish the fight. So uh, yeah, I think I think it's I think that's a great call on your on your part. Uh, that that's what we're going to get. What I would love to see, however, though, is a now that now that the McKee is alive, uh, cat is out of the bag. Can we find out how? Right. Can we can we get that conversation? Can we can we get a flashback Bio-phone. that explains right that explains um, how she was recovered, uh, how she is back if it's McKee, if it's actually McKee or if it's some kind of clone or a twin or, or some other amalgamation of, of things. Um, so, yeah, so let's, let's get some backstory and, and to your point, Megan, let's see what's going on from the covenant side. Yeah. You know, is there, is there still uh, some level of distress is McKee um, privy to the fact that, that they don't trust her fully or, are only using her to to further their own gains. Yeah, her clothing and haircut suggest somebody who's, you know, trying super hard to prove that they're dedicated to the bad guy mission. But her yes. facial expressions when John is in the room speak to a little right. bit more than that. Um, John got that. It's good, super good. cool that you guys are uh, like we're you know thought my Kai theory might not be really off base. I'm I'm really interested in that now. Um, I will say there's also a more sinister possibility, which is you know I, you've seen with Kai in her conversations with Ackerson, she is kind of it's not clear mm-hmm. where she's going to land, right? Like she's she's loyal to the chief, but she's also uh, said some things to Ackerson that she probably shouldn't have if she was really trying to protect the chief. And there is precedent in the Halo universe for a Spartan two soldier being kind of used to help train the next generation of Spartan threes. Um, I don't think any of us want to think of Kai in that situation, but uh, it is another interesting possibility that she could just uh, be persuaded that actually Ackerson's approach has merit or she could be, you know, uh, misled or brainwashed by him in some way. Um, but actually end up uh, basically being on the the bad guy side. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's I don't think that's necessarily a stretch as far as you know as long as she doesn't get information right as as long as she doesn't know that McKee is alive, then as far as she is concerned, 
chief is crazy. Like, okay, he may have been right about the covenant being there, right? Because we, you know, we fled because the covenant was there, but he's still crazy because he keeps seeing McKee and I know she's dead. I shot her. Right. So if, if there's something wrong with the Spartan Mm. twos, then I have to help train. If we're, if the species is going to survive, I'm going to have to help train these Spartan threes so that they can get up to snuff so that we can fight back this invasion. Um, I can't trust the Spartan twos because chief is crazy. He keeps seeing this lady that I killed. And, if the Covenant um, are now on reach and everything and they have Cortana, I think there's also a str- – like there's only like – you know, there's probably uh, double digits of Spartan twos in existence. Right, and right, you're going to need more right. than that um, to fight right, this coming absolutely. threat. Absolutely. So, I, yeah, I think I think there's definitely a pathway that, that Kai can use to to genuinely help, help Ackerson start this new program. Um, but I think it, it only exists as long as she doesn't know that McKee is alive. Yeah. Cool. Well, a lot to look forward to, uh, maybe not necessarily, uh, in our very next episode, because we saw on the preview that it's going to feature Quan, uh, you know, Quan doing Quan stuff, learning about her legacy, her name, Madrigal, uh, she's Quan Ha. So stay tuned for that. Um, I did a uh, very last thing before we close out. It's they're also really uh, starting to go heavy with the Halo Infinite tie-ins. They did mention that they reworked uh, some of the guns and other props for this season of Halo, the series to more closely match uh, and be uh, like higher fidelity matches to the models in Halo Infinite, the game. So like the Needler that Vanek uses and then gets killed with is like spot, you know, it's perfect um, for the Needler in Halo Infinite, uh, which is kind of neat. Um, and you do see like a range of guns. Like I think Vanek is using, I was going to call it a DMR, but I think because we're in the Halo Infinite universe, he's using like a commando uh, single shot DMR at this point. And the, the Chief and Riz are using uh, battle rifles. Um, and it's cool how the Chief doesn't experience any recoil when he shoots the battle rifle. He right. can just hold it straight yeah. on, which is uh, it was cool. And without the armor. Um, but they're doing a tie-in. So this week, if you play Halo Infinite, you can unlock Vanix visor and helmet. Um, and oh, cool. uh, so just some neat things like that, uh, you know, cosmetic only. So I don't have a problem with it, but uh, all right. Uh, thank you so much, Megan and Cicero. As always, it's such a, deli- such a delight to talk with you about Halo, the series. Um, and fans, we really appreciate you listening. Be sure to find us on Coffee. Ko-Fi, whatever you want to call it, ko-fi.com, and leave us a few bucks to help support Forward Unto Quan. Uh, until next week, I don't know, be a Spartan.